Beautiful Query listeners, I have some very exciting news to share with you. Our wonderful engineer and excellent Christmas cookie maker, literally, this person drives cookies to my house, Jordan Duffy, has released her debut single and music video for her song, No Big Deal. No Big Deal, produced by musician Party Nails, written by Jordan Duffy and author Donna Baines, is a song about politely telling an ex to F off. With styles of rock, pop, indie, and a sprinkle of Americana, this song will make you want to grab your friends and sing along. You can listen to Jordan Duffy's debut song, No Big Deal, on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to music. You can also watch the music video, which stars another query producer, Matt Apodaca, on YouTube. You can follow Jordan on Instagram at Jordan K. Duffy for more information on her next single, available merch, and for when her full EP comes out. Please be sure to head to her website, jordanduffymusic.com. Honestly, could not be more excited to promote my friend, Jordan Duffy, who is a beautiful soul and who I'm incredibly lucky to work with. This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here. Today's episode is a re-release because I am up north in Vancouver filming something fun. Hey, Check out this chat with Sarah Costello and Kayla Kazika. And by the way, if you happen to live in Vancouver, I will be performing up here in Van on October 22nd. There's a show on, this, on September 24th, but that one's already sold out. Come see me on October 22nd. And hey, if you live in LA, I'll be there October 15th. Bye-bye. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still My dog back home wakes up at like two and four a.m. just ready to eat, and it's just and she's also very old, so her toenails are very long, like an old woman would have, and so she just like clumps around the house. Like my parents literally have blankets on their floor, just permanently. <laughs> you have an unusual vision of old women. I feel like <laughs> usually old people have like really long. Like, don't when you get older, don't your like fingernails get very like thick? I feel like I've. (laughs) This is. What is that? I have no inside medical knowledge on this either way. I certainly know know older people. I don't. I have not. I don't know. My only knowledge is that my grandmother does not have toenails. That's all I can provide for you. They fell off. No. They like had to get them removed for some reason. I don't know. Each toenail. Her big toenails are gone. I think she has some <gasps> other smaller ones. I don't know what happened to her. But you know what? She's oh still my. kicking. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. I didn't even know you could have that removed. Because like, I didn't grows. either, but now her toes look really janky. So, my uncle... How much time are you spending with your grandmother's toes? <laughs> I mean, not that much time. But they've been like this since I was like in middle school. So In middle, middle school, Sarah was like, let me peep those toes. Yeah, let me just... <laughs> she just constantly wears sandals even in the middle of the winter in Michigan. So, I don't know. I think this is going... This is getting off to a great start. This is the type of vibe I'm looking for. Jordan, use all of this. The podcast has already started.
This is the only um, thing I want the episode to be about is old woman toenails. That's why we yep, came here perfect. today. I mean, my toenails are already really destroyed because of for a lot of years of like being in athletic shoes. Mm. But I actually kind of like that they're destroyed. To be honest, it makes me feel like it's the aesthetic. I've done your hardcore thing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, perfect. Um, well, I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you two introduce yourselves? Sure. Uh, my name is Sarah. Uh, I am one of the co-hosts of Sounds Fake But Okay, which is podcast where we talk about love relationship sexuality and pretty much anything else we just don't understand specifically from an aromantic asexual a spec perspective and my oh i don't know what Kayla. that word means what's a spec a spec just means like the whole spectrum of like ah, asexual a-spec. aromantic mm-hmm. yeah we we Got use it. that term a lot just because it's like very overarching and you don't have to like say all of the specific terms well thank you for uh, telling me that nice and short yeah we're lazy yeah yeah. And then Kayla, who are you? Uh, I'm Kayla. I'm the second co-host of Sounds Fake But Okay. Um, and I identify as demisexual, heteroromantic, and cisgender. I use she, her pronouns. I guess I'll just do it all. I'll say it all. Oh, yeah. I I also use she, her pronouns. Just here to throw those in. <laughs> and I was... So I have... To my own humiliation, I have not had an asexual guest on the podcast until very recently uh literally yesterday interviewed <laughs> angela chen <gasps> oh we love um, angela we love angela. and then i'm interviewing y'all these will not come out they will not yesterday is the podcasting time averse <laughs> this will not necessarily be how people listen to this in their in their phones um but this is this is Something I guess I want to start by asking, because Angela brought this up, and I thought it was, like, such a good point. So do you two personally consider yourselves, like, members of the queer slash LGBTQIA community? And I ask this just because, Kayla, you know, you were um, saying, like, cis and heteroromantic. Like, so I don't know if as a sort of generally large, writ large alphabet city, whether or not we talk about whether or not asexual folks consider themselves part of the community. So what about you two? Yeah, I mean, I consider myself a part of the community. I am of, as a person who's aromantic and asexual, I am of the opinion that anyone who is a spec um, should be able to be a part of the queer community if they want to. Some people don't feel that they want to. But I mean, for me, my view is, you know, we don't experience attraction in the quote unquote normal way that, you know, cishet like people <laughs> necessarily experience it. And so because we are, you know, not in this uh, particular, we don't experience sexual and romantic attraction necessarily in the same way that heterosexual people do. Like I consider it obvious that, of course, we deserve a place in this community. And, and for that reason, I consider myself queer. What yeah. about you, Kayla? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason a lot of people struggle with it is just that, especially online, a lot of queer people are just like, no, you can't sit with us. Um, and so then a lot oh, of... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's... And, you, you know, it's mostly online, I think, that it happens. And so maybe you can chalk it up to people being very bold since they're anonymous and kind of just being trolls. But yeah, there's an unfortunate amount of just kind of talk online from queer people being like, okay, I think that your identity is valid. I think it's real, but like, 
you haven't faced enough oppression to be in our group. Um, so you can go have your own group somewhere else, which is like, first of all, it shouldn't be based on oppression. Second of all, I could go into the oppression that Ace and Arrow people face, but we don't need to get into that for me to be allowed. So I think that's the reason a lot of people struggle. Like when Sarah says that some people don't want to be in the queer community, that's why, because they're kind of like, well, you're being rude to me. So why would I want to be in your group? Um, for me personally, it's something that I've struggled with because like I said, I'm heteroromantic. So like half of my identity is straight. Like the way on the podcast, I say it, the way I identify is I'm like demi straight. I'm demisexual and I'm straight. Um, and so, you know, at times I will feel like I don't even fully belong in the asexual community because I'm like kind of halfway in. Yeah. Talk like, to me about demisexual. Yeah. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but no, let's yeah. like clear that up really quick. Yeah. Yeah. I always forget that most people don't know what that means. Um, We're so used like, to being on our own podcast. I'm just in my own <laughs> bubble. So yeah, demisexual is kind of under the larger asexual umbrella or like part of that spectrum. Um, so as a demisexual person, I don't experience sexual attraction until I'm romantically or emotionally like bonded with someone. So it's not that I just choose not to have sex with someone until I'm like there with them. It's not like I'm choosing to like save myself for marriage or like choosing anything. It's that like literally until a certain point in that relationship, I am not interested in you sexually. Um, and so for some people, it could take literally years. Like they need to be friends with someone for years. For me, it usually doesn't take that long. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of. So you don't rewind and rewatch the sex scenes <laughs> in movies again and again because of a very special feeling. But I do you could not. have a very special feeling down the line in a yeah. relationship with somebody that you're committed to and having a bond with. Yeah. Yeah. So of course, like I could choose to have sex earlier. For me, that gives me a lot of anxiety. It's also like tied to my anxiety disorder. So for me, it's kind of like a weird, deeper thing. And for everyone, it's different. Um, but yeah, so because, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just want to ask Sarah real quick, mm -hmm. like how your experience differs from what Kayla's talking about. Yeah. So for me, I just don't experience romantic or sexual attraction at all. Um, you know, there are plenty of people who identify as Arrow or Ace who may still choose to, like, have sex or choose to do that because it feels nice or, like, you know, for whatever reason. For me, I have just no interest. Like, I just, I just don't care. <laughs> um, and also, and you said, and also in, in, um, romantic partners as well. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't have any interest in really any of that. I never really have, um, for for a lot of my life, I just assumed I was straight just because, you know, that's that's the norm and that's what's kind of pushed on to you. And I thought I was like, oh, I'm a late bloomer. Like, I'll I'll feel that stuff later. And then I just never did. <laughs> um, and so for me, I just I don't have any interest in pursuing that at all. You know, and a lot of people look at that and they're like, oh, like, that's too bad. Like, you you must not have fulfilling relationships. And it's like, romantic and sexual relationships aren't the only relationships that can be fulfilling me and, and sarah are very in love platonically yeah. personally <laughs> Kayla and I are very ask, platonically in love <laughs> can i ask you two how do, do you mind me asking how old you both are oh yeah we're babies we're 20 we're babies we're both 23 you're both 23 yeah mm -hmm. wow um how awesome that you and do, where do you live where do you each live 
If you don't, just you could even speak in generalities. Yeah, no, I live in Los Angeles right now. I'm back home with my family in Michigan, but I normally live in Los Angeles. Yeah, Um, I'm also from Michigan, and I recently moved down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, with my partner because he started working down here. So I'm new to the South. Y'all met. um, We met at school, so we're both from Michigan, and we went to the University of Michigan. And we were randomly placed as roommates in our freshman year dorm. They just Shut like randomly put, yeah. And then we the fell <laughs> in love. Like that's why we say like our love story is very good. Like we could be a rom-com. Like we met by chance and started a podcast. Like things got very, weird very quickly. Very and and also yeah. being college roommates is very recent for you all. Because yeah. your yeah. is like, yeah, from five minutes ago. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. We're basically so, children. <laughs> yeah. full adults i would say uh, that. Yeah. not not in my soul i don't feel like an adult at all well part of why i'm asking that is because i wonder you know like specifically as with what sarah is talking about um there, there's like two maybe sort of things i'm curious about here so like you know some of there's like the sarah side of things which is if you're 23 Maybe you're constantly getting the barrage of like, where's the partner? Where's the partner? When is the thing? You know, like that would seem like that might even continue to like cook a little more as you, yeah, be, you know, become older. Because I think that we we have so many assumptions about what people are going to do with their lives. And then I think mm-hmm. the Kayla side of things um, would have with it the assumption that like, this isn't an identity that you carry because you're in a relationship. So like each, each of you is sort of dealing with um, a set of assumptions. One that like, you know, 23, Oh, this is like just the age where you should be dating around, you know, like, and so I'm curious as to whether those, like those things are like vaguely broad strokes ideas that you are both experiencing. Yeah. I think we kind of deal with similar, but different issues in that way. Like, For me, dating in college was a bit of an experience and is actually what kind of led me to finally be like, okay, I'm definitely demisexual after questioning for a while is because in college, you're so surrounded by hookup culture and everyone's experimenting. Like that's kind of what they show in movies, right? Is just being at a frat party and like making out with everyone. Um, And to me, that made me very anxious. That was Mm -hmm. not what I wanted. That made me uncomfortable. And so that was a struggle. And... Um, I think you're right about kind of, kind of, I guess, like the relevance of my identity too. being in a long term relationship. Like that is why at very first in like our sophomore year of college, I kind of started to question whether I was demisexual, but I was in a long term relationship at the time. And I was like, oh, well, it doesn't like it's not relevant. I'm already having sex with this guy. Like I already got to the emotional bond part. Like, I don't need to figure that out. And it was only until after we broke up that I was like, okay, fuck. Like, I should probably give this some thought. And then I took another year to, like, think about it. Um, But, yeah, I think there's, yeah, there's unique issues that come with demisexuality for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I I think for me specifically, you know, I am both Arrow and Ace, but I feel like my aromantic identity has more of an impact on my life because, mm-hmm. you know, people don't, people don't know if you're having sex with your partner. Like people, people, unless you like advertise it and you could be lying, you know, but like people will know if you're not 
you know, in romantic relationships or not pursuing that kind of thing. And I'm very lucky in that my family is profoundly queer. Um, I, my sister's gay. I have a ton of queer cousins. My godfather's a gay man. So, like, I luckily have a very wonderful and accepting family who, like, they didn't understand asexuality. But once I, you know, explained it to them, they were like, okay, cool, that's great. Um, so luckily, I don't really get that from family. But you still get that from other people, the assumption of, like, oh, so, like, you know, do you have a boyfriend? Like, are you, like, are you dating? Or, like, even the people that are, like, oh, do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Like, that's fine, too. And it's like, well, I have neither. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I totally hear you. I mean, again, it sounds like, you know, just different um, different things to to deal with. Like, I, like I almost am thinking in my head about, like, a, a couple that passes, like, that is, like, a, that is identified by culture as, like, a straight couple and one or both members are trans. And so there's, like, that sort of... Um, tension around like who to come out to and when you know like Mm -hmm. how do I do this and how do I navigate it versus like you know the queer person who is is in a relationship that people around them would place as a queer relationship and so these things just have they just have like different things to navigate like the one of them sort of has an almost implied constant coming out um Mm -hmm. by the nature of it of its existence like I'm a woman and this is my wife, you know, versus the other one has a constant coming out um, by like the decision to make oneself visible. And there's there's a difference there. They're both queer experiences. You know, they're both things that I think a lot of people in our community can relate to. It's it's not true for all aspect people, but Kayla and I are both very like straight passing Kayla. And, you know, because she is (laughs) to a a certain degree straight. I'm like half Um, straight. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And whereas for me, it's like people, there's the assumption that any person is straight until proven otherwise. And as an Aeroways person who has no interest in dating or sex, like it's hard to prove otherwise because there's there's no concrete evidence. Your girlfriend or something. Yeah, exactly. And so like I, I I could be like, look, this is the person I've (laughs) a a woman I like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like I, you know, if if I. I have to like actively come out to people to explain, you know, the situation. Um, And, you know, people often will just, you know, they have no reason to not believe that I'm straight. Although I have been told I dress very gay. So some people have assumed I was gay, but, (laughs) you know, it's, I I always have to explain myself uh, if I want people to understand my experience and how, you know, how I live in the world. Yeah, sounds exhausting. I will also <laughs> say that, um, you know, again, and the reason I'm pointing this out is because, like, it kind of goes back to that first question that I was asking. And I and I know that, um, Kayla, you said, like, it's not about oppression, but in some ways, it is about oppression. It, it the, the queer experience, I think, writ large, is about the exhaustion and the, like, daily oppression of living a life that is atypical. I also think it's about these like sort of shared experiences of, you know, the concept of coming out and the concept of coming like self-realization above all else. And I guess that there are like, you know, straight people that experience these things, too, where they get to know themselves. Um, But I just think that our our like 
shared experience of, you know, I especially because so often for queer folks, it's one of the only identities where almost everybody grew up in a family that didn't 100% reflect like Mm -hmm. this identity that they that, that we have you know like it's it's um racial oppression while it is like so extreme and so systemic it's also something that often not always um is understood within a whole family structure and so for us it's that idea of you know even if it is the family that you're talking about sarah um it's still we're still different and we have to know mm-hmm. that come to terms with that explain it to people and yeah. been explaining it to the people who raised us, you know, and that stuff all feels so, I think it's really impossible to describe that to um, people who haven't had that experience. I we tr- Again and again, we try to, but I think it's really a lived thing. And I, I think with asexuality or the ace spectrum, it, more generally, it's, it has its own specific set of issues. Because if you're trying to explain to someone that you're gay, you can kind of be like, oh, well, I experience it the same way as you. I just feel attraction toward people of the same gender. You know, it's, it's, they have a comparison to, to kind of point to. Whereas with A-spec identities, you're kind of turning people's whole world on its head. And you're basically saying, it's possible to not experience this at all. And, you know, still lead a fulfilling life and still have a, a full, you know, experience. And a lot of people, because sex and romance are so socially prevalent and pushed onto us from such a young age like people just don't understand that and so it's like a whole you have to basically retrain the brains of anyone who you who you come out to really and so we often joke like you know coming out as an aspec person you have to always give a ted talk because you know <laughs> people people aren't familiar with it they don't well, they understand. don't even know what the word is like you have to yeah. start from the basics a lot of the times which isn't necessarily their fault like we can make it you know, big media's fault for not putting more representation in, you know, our mainstream media. But yeah, there is, it's exhausting. I think like you talked about, I do think that exhaustion is kind of a level of oppression that I don't think I've even thought about it that way. And I think a lot of queer people that are rude online don't think of that it that way either. I think we kind of think of like the big oppressions like marriage inequality or like conversion therapy and those really big things when you forget that people who don't necessarily have that level of issue are still going through, like you talked about, the exhaustion or feeling different, you know, just kind of the mental toll it takes on you to realize that you don't fulfill the norm or like, you know, this childhood dream of growing up and getting married, like you have to kind of rethink what your entire life is. That's hard. And I think something that I've I've said a lot and I continue to say because I think it's important is that, you know, it's honestly as an ASPEC person, it's easier for me when straight people like look at me and say like, oh, that's just not real. Like you're just making that up. That's just celibacy, blah, 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 blah. If they're just totally misinformed, like I can handle that. It's a lot harder when you have a queer person looking at you saying, I think what you experience is valid but I don't think you belong here. Like, you know, I I, I recognize Absolutely, the validity sure. of what you're feeling. And so it's like, you know, I it's it's easier, honestly, to deal with aphobia from, you know, just people who 
like who are often straight, who are often, (laughs) yeah, who are often also homophobic and transphobic and that sort of thing than it is from people within the community who are saying, "Mm, no. I mean, I'll tell you though, like, I relate to that. I relate to a lot of the stuff that that y'all are talking about. Is it, does it present in, in different ways? Absolutely. I do think that it is, you know, it's, it's, um, it's always harder for me to receive like really harsh or aggressive feedback from a member of my own community versus like some idiot. I mean, do I like, do I like to receive it from some idiot? No, but I assume I'm going to receive it from some idiot. And at least you can say that there's some idiot rather than, you know, another respected person within your community who like (laughs) you thought you could trust or something, you know? Yeah. And I also say aggressive feedback because like, can we have this conversation? Can we have conversations? Like, sure. But, you know, we all know on on this call, and I'm sure anybody that's listening that has had an experience of the internet knows what I'm talking about. Like, we are, you know, we can be very aggressive with each other. And, um, and it is tough. It's tough for me when it's, when it's somebody that I, I, it's, I think it makes me feel invisible. It makes me feel like, come on, come on, guys. Can't you see how hard I'm trying? Sure, I'm missing the mark. I'm a human, you know? Um, Sure, you don't get me. We're different people, you know? Like, sure, sometimes, um, you know, maybe your experience is different than mine, but it just is that, like, that that aggressive, that aggression that feels feels tough. And um, I will also add, you know, to to Sarah, what you were saying earlier, um, when you were talking about trying to describe to somebody, like, a future um for yourself or or present for yourself that people don't have any context for i think that also i mean that was my experience as when i was coming out you know i'm 39 mm-hmm. so i'm like a few years older than you guys just, <laughs> just, a couple, just a couple <laughs> um and you know when i was coming out like my family didn't know what the fuck i was talking about mm-hmm. they had never met an out queer person People thought this was a choice. In my community, people thought this was either fake or a choice that people were making, like, deliberately to sin, which is so odd. Like, what, <laughs> Why would you want to sin? I, don't, I would I love mean, to I go to hell, yes. I don't know. I mean, you know, like... I mean, yeah, first I, of all, very... I feel like all of the fun people are in hell. So. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's fine. Again, also sounds exhausting um, to just <laughs> deliberately choose to sin over and over again. But, yeah. but um, you know, I remember one of the biggest, like, what was the hardest for my parents was that they were like, but you won't have friends. But you won't <laughs> have a job. How will you have a job? But you won't have, where will you live? What kind of community could you <laughs> where possibly will live? You it's like, live as it's a like stuff that they didn't understand. It was, um, it was like fundamental life stuff that also was like, that also is actually fine. Um, but I I really do have a lot of compassion for what you're talking about, Sarah, because I really did experience that myself. Mm-hmm. People saying like, I can't even imagine what this would be like. Yeah. What's the future for you, you know? And um, I know that in the last 15, however, what, 16 years since I was your age, um, things have changed a lot in my family structure. My family is mm-hmm. like, no longer um, wondering where I will live because they've been to my house. Um, but <laughs> but also in culture, things have changed a lot. Um, yeah. But I do think like for to create space in our community, literally anybody that's listening that has had 
any of these experiences should know what the fuck you're talking about, because this is actually something many of us do know. Exactly. And I think the the ASPEC community just, I mean, obviously, ASPEC people have existed since the beginning of time. You know, you look back to Stonewall, asexuality is mentioned in, in documents from then. Like, it's not like this is a new thing. But uh, the community itself is pretty young just because they so few people identify as asexual. They say it's like between one and five percent of the population, which like, I mean, that's still like seven million people, <laughs> but that's, you know, comparatively smaller. And so the the community is very online. That's how people found each other. And it really didn't begin to take shape until around like 2000 uh, when AVEN, the Asexuality Visibility and Education Network, uh, kind of came to fruition. And so the community is just in its younger stages. And so like these things that um, other queer people of other queer identities, you know, went through in previous years, whether that was back in the 60s, whether it was in the 90s, you know, were there now. And so like would appreciate just some empathy from the other from the other queer absolutely. people. Too. Yeah. Well, yeah, well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my experience was in the 2000s. This shit is still happening. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. We should be able to lead with empathy. I think that's yeah. I think you're so right. I almost wonder if it's kind of um, like younger queer people. I mean, it's, I don't know. I feel like Twitter users tend to be a bit younger and that's where a lot of the hate comes from. Younger but... than 39? What age is younger yeah. than 39? <laughs> None. It's actually zero. That's the youngest age. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> I've um, never met someone who was younger than 39. I, don't know, I know. That's what I, it's t- you two. Or 39. It. No, we are. Yeah. <laughs> we lied. We're also 39. Keep, keep going, Kayla. Um, But I always wonder if it's like, younger people who maybe are from like more liberal areas that are missing that kind of fundal, fundamental understanding or that empathy because maybe they're like from San Francisco and they came out as gay and so did their like 20 friends and so they don't realize how hard it is for some people to come out and it's like but listen like your ancestors had to like your queer ancestors who gave you this community also went through that like understand where you came from and like the privilege you have as a modern queer person. Not that everyone has that, of course, but if you do. Well, I also wonder if some of what you're talking about isn't like the intersection of like, isn't so, so then there's always like shit posting. Then there's always people that are deliberately trying to um, screw with people. I don't know. I don't understand. I will say I see this. I don't totally understand the like personality type or what's happening to I mean Kayla you were talking about anxiety earlier well also just like if I'm accidentally like mean to the person that's checking me out at like the grocery store like I'm really focused on that for like a while oh so um it's not that I haven't ever been mean in my life but it's usually like I'm accidentally a dick and then I um anyway whatever so the idea of (laughs) The idea of deliberately being a dick is it's uh, I feel separated from that, but I know that many people uh, find that to be appealing. And then so you take that and you you cross it with what Sarah's talking about, which is like this community that does need online space. It's sort of, you know, I think about this like like when Gamergate was happening and like Mm -hmm. women who are gamers were being like hyper attacked. But it's like, yo, this is where we live like you're coming to our house to fuck with us where we live and i would just imagine that that would be even more extreme in in like the ace and arrow community because they're yeah. 
you know, y'all don't have like the bar or the gym that you yeah, know is no, like, like specifically ace, for you. Yeah, there's no like ace bar. There was one. There was one ace bar during Pride like a year ago. That was cool. Where? Where? It was in London. Was so in Yasmin London. Benoit, who's an amazing ace activist, was working with um, Budweiser? Budweiser? Question mark? And they put together something called the Ace of Clubs, which was like an ace bar. That well, cool. so there was one. To- <laughs> Yeah, you know, briefly, major <laughs> yeah. beer corporations. Yeah. Really, <laughs> thank you, corporate, corporate pride. pride. Yeah. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Do you have... This is just something that I should know, but I don't know. Are there, like, pieces of culture, books, movies, stuff like that that you can refer to that makes you feel seen? Because I remember you were saying earlier that, like, that there was a lack of representation, but are there things that you do like or watch or are a fan of that make you f- feel included? Kind of. <laughs> um, <laughs> a little. I mean, a little bit. Um, well, like, what I are mean, those things? Yeah, so recently uh, an author named Alice Oseman came out with a book called Loveless, which has an Arrow Ace main character. It's back there somewhere. Kayla's pointing to it's it. It's in on my bookshelf book somewhere. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it is delightful i cried through like half the book because i was like Mm -hmm. this is my experience like this is this is crazy um and i think for me like there there when there is mainstream a-spec representation it's usually ace so you have uh uh todd chavez on bojack horseman um you have there was there was an episode of sex education um where there was an ace character but it's pretty much never arrow because people are like, oh, well, that makes for less interesting television. Like, we can't put them in a romantic relationship. That's boring. Um, and so there really isn't any Arrow representation. So when I do see it, I'm like, oh, my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, and honestly, one of the, the the better representations I've seen recently uh, was a movie that was not even explicitly Arrow Ace, which was Greta Gerwig's 2019 Little Women. Um where I know a lot of people viewed Joe as like gay in that, but to me, like her story could not have been more arrow ace. Like I was sitting in the movie theater just like sobbing, and the lights came on at the end, and my friend was like, Are you okay? And I was like, No, I'm fine. <laughs> I am perceived. <laughs> I feel perceived by this movie. So, like, honestly, like, and that's not even intentional representation, right? Like, it's just I saw myself in it. So would would recommend uh, watching that with an arrow ace lens. Joe's totally arrow ace. She is. Can't, you can't tell me otherwise. I haven't even seen that movie because oh, I you have to. missed so my sisters so much last year when it oh. came out. And now I miss them even more. So That'd why am I going to do this to myself? But I might have to watch it. This is the best. This is the best reason 
I've been given to watch it, <laughs> and is what you, you just to. said. I'm serious. You have to. Um, also, uh, I, you know, I think that that, I think that that is also a really prototypical queer experience. And I'm, I'm fucking sorry that it's like still in that zone. <laughs> but like, I mean, I will say one of the first songs that really made me think about my like first girlfriend and was, uh, then I kissed her, which is by the Beach Boys, <laughs> which is a man singing about kissing a woman. But I was just like, this it's is me. I'm like, I'm the, the beach. I guess I'm the the beach boy, you know, like, and so anyway, <laughs> it just is. Yeah, sometimes we're grasping, yeah. trying to find the representation. But I do think that um, it's awesome to find those human stories that mm-hmm. might that might help be helpful when there is a lack. Yeah. And previous to that, I had. I had understood on an objective level that representation is important. Like, I was like, of course it's important. Like, you know, of course we want more. But as also just, I'm a white person. So I, you know, I see that experience of mine everywhere. And so it wasn't until I saw Little Women and I read Loveless that, like, I fully understood the impact of, like, proper representation because it had never happened to me before. <laughs> like, yeah. and so the, the first time that I really felt like that, that's why I just kept crying through both of them was because I was like, oh my god, this is, this is me, this is my experience. And, like, it wasn't until I had actually felt it that I understood on a deeper level why it's so important. You know, and I think, Kayla, you mentioned a little bit of this, but, I mean, I'd love to hear more. And, Sarah, I don't know that we that this has been mentioned yet, but when you were understanding, you know, who you are, had you been had you been attempting to date folks? Like was there a odd stutter step or was it just I'm not interested in this and I don't yet know why or was it knowing why? What what was the version of that in your life? So for me like I mentioned when I first started thinking about it, which was after Sarah came out as Arrow Ace, and we started, like, talking about asexuality, and she kind of introduced me more Wild. to demisexuality. Yeah. At the time, still roommates? And they were yeah. roommates, yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I kind of started thinking about it, but like I said, I was in a long-term relationship, and in that relationship, I will be uh, very upfront with my sex life. We didn't have sex for the first se- six months of our relationship. Um, and he was an absolute gentleman and did not give a shit, which was great. Um, and so I didn't really have to think about it. I didn't have to think about why I didn't want to have sex. I also had a lot of health issues at the time. So I kind of put it on that too. So I was like, oh, I just can't have sex because I'm um, dying. Not really, but I was very ill. Um, <laughs> and so I didn't think about it. And then after we broke up, I started dating this like seeing having a situationship I don't know with this guy and it made me so anxious I threw up all the time because that's what I do when I'm anxious I like threw up in his bathroom I threw up in his parents bathroom I threw up everywhere um and because constantly in the back of my mind it was the thought that he wants to have sex with me and I don't want to have sex with him and he's expecting it and what am I going to do and I please like be as vague as you would like to about this but um, I am also curious about like what you mean by sex and that, and that can be, so you can be super vague, but what I mean is like, is handholding sex is kissing sex because for some folks, especially in the queer community, you know, there's a wide, um, range. So are you talking about sort of like 
anything under the umbrella of physical affection or are you talking about a more siloed experience of sex? Yeah. So when I talk about it, I mean like oral or like penetrative, I don't know, sex. Got it. You're talking about a more siloed yeah. version of sex. Yeah. You're not talking about like all physical connection. Yeah. And that's different for different people. Like for me, that's how my demisexuality is. I will like happily make out with someone that I'm romantically interested in and whatever. On my futon. <laughs> that never happened. That never happens. That never happened. Um, no. Um, but for other people, like that kind of physical intimacy is like on another level. Um, right. But yeah. So for me, like I would make out with this kid and it would be fun and flirty. But in the back of my mind, I was like, if he tries something, I don't know what I will do because I hadn't admitted to myself that fully that I was demisexual. I didn't want to have to tell him that. Like if he was like time to have sex, I absolutely did not know what I would have done. And so kind of going through that relationship type thing uh, made me realize like, okay, I am demisexual. It's time to like officially use that label. And then I just like stopped seeing him altogether because I was like, this is simply too much. Um, but shout well, out he to did, him. He didn't, he didn't want to like Oh, yeah. like he also official... didn't want to be in a committed relationship. He was like, let's keep things casual. And I was like, yeah, for sure. I'm the most casual person alive. Um, and then a week later, I was like, I've actually realized I'm the least casual person I've ever met. You and I are both really casual. That's something we have in common. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so chill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I am the most chill person anyone has I've ever n- met. I've never met a chiller person than okay. <laughs> Yeah, so chill. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my realization is just kind of trying to stumble through the kind of normal college casual dating scene and realizing that I, um, couldn't be like everyone else. And then Kayla was texting me being like, I hate that I'm like this. Why can't I just be normal? And I was like, excuse you. I'm gonna yell at you now. Sarah, gently. Sarah, having (laughs) known that I was demisexual for about two years and letting me come to terms with it by myself, like a good friend would, was like, Kayla, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah. So Sarah, what was going on for you at this time? Yeah. So for me, you know, I... There you are, on your futon, enjoying yourself. Just <laughs> there kidding. I am, just innocently, innocently sitting on my futon, not knowing. <laughs> not um, knowing no, what I but I... Yeah, I mean, so for me, I I guess to start at the beginning in terms of my experience, um, I just never... When I was in, like, high school, I just didn't want to date and like I had a kid ask me out and I literally panicked and I didn't understand why at the time in hindsight I know why I panicked (laughs) um but you know I I just I didn't have any interest in it I I it seemed to me like I was like oh it'll happen eventually and I was lucky in that a lot of my friends also weren't dating because I was I was a very high achieving kid I did a lot of gymnastics I was very busy (laughs) and so I was, you know, I was basically just like, I don't have time for this. A lot of my friends don't have time for it either. It's fine. Um, and then, you know, I was I was pretty confident in that. Like, even even by the time, like, prom came around, like, I went to prom by myself. I didn't care. Uh, a couple of my friends also did, and it was fine. Like, it, it didn't bother me. Um, and then by the time I got to college, I was like, hmm, Seems weird that I'm still not interested. Seems weird um, that Kayla's making out on my futon and I simply don't oh care about anything. Damn futon. And um, 
and I had heard about asexuality before that. I'm I'm a child of the internet. I I had been bopping around on Tumblr for a number of years, so I had seen asexuality. <laughs> um, and so then my freshman year of college, I started like kind of looking up a little bit more about it. Um, and then you know by the end of by the end of freshman year of college, I had kind of come to terms that I was ace and aerospec. I wasn't sure for sure that I was arrow yet, but I knew I was somewhere on that on that timeline um so for me like i never tried to date anyone or tried to like do anything and one thing that i think really <laughs> helped me realize that i that i was definitely a spec was um kayla and i were in a a like a student org that did uh like that put on musicals and uh i had to kiss someone in the musical and i had never kissed someone before and i was very nervous and like I had to kiss her like I it wasn't even like there was the kiss was happening like I had to be the one to do it and I was very freaked out and then I did it and I was like this is it like this is <laughs> this what is kissing is, is. <laughs> like yeah. the thing that people are like so they talk about all the time I'm like that, that it's just an action it's like I was shaking her hand like it's <laughs> it, it just I was just like okay cool that's not for me <laughs> so <laughs> That sounds like a wild experience. <laughs> She's also the only person I've ever kissed. Like, <laughs> and she doesn't do you still, even know. Do, do you do you feel? I mean, I suppose. Did you feel agency at the time, like that you could have said, "I won't do this for this role," or did you just sort of go with it? I just sort of went with it. <laughs> I think I I was very nervous, but it wasn't in like a a, a like super uncomfortable because of my identity sort of way it was just like I was nervous <laughs> um and so I I don't think I ever would have done anything to be like actually I don't want to do this um and also there's also a certain level of like you know as as much as I knew better and as much as I knew that like you know it doesn't matter when or if you have your first kiss I was like I'm 18 and I've never kissed someone like I don't want to tell people that like I don't want to <laughs> I don't I don't need them to know that information and so I was just kind of like let's keep it on the down low let's I just was like the only one that knew and I wasn't even in the rehearsal where you kissed no. her for the first time <laughs> no. like we she purposely was like we're not telling anyone and I was like okay like your kids and then I don't the, care what you do the show like went up like yeah. you then performed this show and kissed yeah. her in front of everybody <laughs> in front of everyone and it was fine <laughs> but the yeah like even then at the time i didn't even know she was questioning like freshman me was very preoccupied with like trying to survive in college but like it wasn't until like that summer sarah like put up a post on tumblr where it was like one of those posts on tumblr it was like tell me about yourself answer these questions and she put her sexuality as asexual and i was like on tumblr and saw that and just messaged her and they said oh and she said yep and i said okay and that was the entire conversation <laughs> that wow. was how she came out yeah. i'm horrible at coming out i'm i'm such a non-confrontational person like i I you don't should, like I don't ever want to tell someone that I've come you out. You should like, tell I the just, class how you came out um for publicly for real. Fine. <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> I it was the following year after Kayla had found out. I was studying abroad in Germany. Uh and it was it was June, so it was Pride Month. And it was people were like putting those like Facebook 
profile picture frames on their profile picture that said pride and then pride was written in like the flag of whatever they were and i was like should i just add this to my profile picture and see what happens and kayla was like sure and i was very nervous but i did it anyway we talked about it for like maybe a week (laughs) yeah (laughs) i kept having to reassure her that it would be fine if she came out in the least like confrontational audacious way possible yeah and then uh so i did it and my sister texted me and she knew what it meant she was like okay cool and she was like I don't think mom knows what this means. Do you want me to tell her? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And so then my sister told my mom what it meant. She came out and then my you. And then my mom texted me. Again, I'm across the Atlantic from my entire family. <laughs> and then my mom texted me and was like, okay, cool. So that's how I came out. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, like, whatever works, you know, that's... I, I'm realizing I don't know what the flag is. It's, it's I don't know what order it goes in. It's white, it's bl- white, black? black, purple, and gray. And the arrow oh, one. Yes, is, I know this one. The, the arrow, arrow one has like green, 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 white, gray, black, something like that. I don't even know this one. You stumped <laughs> me. How have you gotten beyond my flag knowledge? Humility. <laughs> the demisexual one is even harder. So. What's that one? It has like a black triangle and then it's like white, gray, purple. So it's like the same colors, but a different look. Configuration. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Do y'all, I'm just like, please forgive this if this is the most insanely offensive thing you've ever heard. But I'm just asking because you're because of the ages that you both are. Are you do are you in the workforce? Do you have jobs? <laughs> so yeah. sorry to say that. Are yes. you five years old? <laughs> no, it's more so like, um, I'm imagining that you, if you're 23, did you graduate last year? We did you graduate in the pandemic? No. Okay. No, no. You graduated we were a year from that. So yeah. I was 22 and I graduated. Okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were, um, we were 22 when we graduated, right? I was 21. I'm a child. I was 22. Got it. Yeah, okay. it was May 2019. So it's been like a okay. year and a half. I don't know. Yeah. Got it. Um, um, but you do you do both yeah. work. I I am, am employed. <laughs> I am between mm-hmm. jobs right now. I'm actively applying, but I wonderful plan to work <laughs> when someone yeah, yeah, yeah. will allow Who me. Plan to work. Yeah. I mean, some people, I guess. Um yeah. well, so then this is a this is a follow-up question. And it I mean, I like talk to Angela about this too, but it, it just seems like this would also be an extra sticky thing in like a workplace situation because of some of the stuff that we mentioned where it's like, it's not like you can just put like a framed photo. I mean, I guess you could put a framed photo of yourself with, with the, the Facebook flag. background <laughs> <laughs> and put that on your desk. Um, but, you know, is this something that comes up at, at, in that context, Sarah? And um, like, what is that like? Yeah, it's it's interesting. So both Kayla and I actually have the podcast on our resumes because they do relate in some ways to what we do. Kayla more so than mm. me. But I so just to give you my life story, I I'm an assistant at a management company in Hollywood. I want to go into TV writing. And so like the fact I've heard that of it, I Hollywood is, Hollywood <laughs> baby um And so, like, the fact that I have this is, like, somewhat relevant to to what I want to do. And so, of course, yeah, it's it's on my resume. And so, like, 
in theory, the people who hired me could have looked it up. I don't know if they did. Um, right. But like, you know, it's it's out there. I know like for me at work, like the other assistants know about my identity in part because we just like follow each other on social media. And, you know, it came up with one of them because he was also queer. And so it just kind of it came up. Um, I have no idea if if other people at my office know. And frankly, I don't really care either way. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter to me, I guess, if they find my podcast and want to listen to it and hear that side of me, they're welcome to. (laughs) Well, yes. And that, I guess that also makes a little bit more sense to me because not to like fully generalize, but that, that seems like a different setup than like, if you were a teacher of the youth or something like that, you know, it's a, it's a different thing because, because you're, your people f- that you work with finding out about um, the work that you do outside of it's like, yeah, maybe seem maybe seems like the stakes. I do, I don't see you getting fired for this. You know, right. like this is where like right. that might be a different situation. Yeah. In a different- my like my sister's girlfriend is a teacher, and so it's it's harder for her because she you know is teaching third graders and she has to deal with their parents and like that sort of thing. Um, and that's something I don't really encounter. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also you know I'm sure ace folks in many this is something that i like encounter and think about a lot on the road is is the types of like the position that i have been able to put myself in in terms of like is my life perfect and does do i feel accepted at in every single situation that i'm in no but like i know that i'm having a pretty different experience than maybe some queer folks who might live um elsewhere and specifically who work other jobs because yeah. My whole job is predicated on the fact that I'm gay. So it's like, it just is a very different setup. Like, I don't so much think, oh my God, how could you survive in rural America? Because I know people live everywhere. It's more so like, what happens if you're somebody's vet and you mm-hmm. are thinking about whether or not to come out to them because otherwise they're asking you constantly about your husband or whatever it is. And then, you know, so it's like those situations that I, I makes me feel like, Help them! I don't know if you know who I'm talking to. Yeah, (laughs) I feel like the one thing I dealt with at my previous job, and it was like my first job out of college. Yeah, tell me. There was a lot of young people and a lot of queer people at my company, actually, which was like nice coming from a very liberal college to still be surrounded by queer people. But my issue was trying to like flag myself as someone who was like queer adjacent or like... Sure. I don't know if culturally queer is something that you can say, but like... I. I, you know what? As the president of all this, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Just that, like, I understand the memes. I understand the jokes. I understand. <laughs> just say that. <laughs> yeah. Just walk in. I understand the memes. Listen, guys, I know the queer memes, okay? I get it. Um, a little hand but- dusting? <laughs> <laughs> but it was more of that of, like, I want these people to know that, like, I understand what they're going through, and I kind of want to join their little, like, queer club they've created at work. Right. But, like, how do I, like, tell them, like, no, listen, I'm, like, kind of one of you. Like, (laughs) please let me in. Because I couldn't, like we said, like, show them that I have a girlfriend or something. Like, in fact, there was a picture of my boyfriend on my desk. That's pretty lame. (laughs) I mean, that's, I I will identify that this is, like, an extreme um, privilege that I have is that, like, 
the queer community, when they when queer people look at me, they aren't usually confused about what, whether or not I know the memes. And I know that you both mentioned earlier that this is a thing for you. And I know this is true for like many people in the LGBTQIA community is that like when you're not somebody that everybody assumes knows the memes, it's like that's a whole thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, I feel like I see that with bi women a lot who are like, how absolutely. do I show that I'm into women, but not that I'm so into women that I'm only into women. It's like, <laughs> I don't even know. how. Do, what do you wear? I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, also race and colorism really mm. factor into all this. And I and I would imagine, I mean, then adding anything where there, where there are multiple stacked identities yeah. that are marginalized or misunderstood. Um, you know, like, just for the perennial example... My girlfriend currently has a shaved head. She is uh, half Japanese, half Irish. That's a myth. I have that's a myth. Hairs on. I have hairs on my head, and it turns out people generally think I do more of the yard work. You know what I mean? Just like, <laughs> she, you know, so nobody can tell what the fuck is ever going on with anybody um, who is like. Well, who doesn't look like me? I'm the one. I'm the one who people <laughs> You're are like, president. we know what's going on. Although not always straight people. So that's why I said really? in the queer yeah. world. I'm, you know what? Some, straight straight people, some of them are clueless. They're just Straight clueless. people, it's just, it's a complicated equation. Are they okay? That's my question. I also, I also moved to like, I live in the, um, I moved to, I essentially live in like the suburbs. I moved to like the mountains a little bit mm-hmm. outside of LA. And um I am constantly stirred here because <laughs> nobody looks like me. And that's that's also fine, but it is also funny. It's oh, yeah, it, the, the percentage of times I was stirred when I lived in Echo Park in Los Angeles <laughs> versus now, it's I would say it's a 3,000% increase. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the streets. Uh, yeah, anyway, it is, it's been really great to talk to you both. Um I can't, I can't figure out where's my little thing. Oh yeah, it's definitely time. Um, it is time to go. Isn't that terrible news? <laughs> it's it the is worst terrible news. news. So it's getting very hot in the room I'm in. So I feel hot too. Oh God, we are the same person. <laughs> my my room was cold ahead of this, so I was like, I'm gonna uh-huh. keep it cold. I know I'm gonna get sweaty for some podcasting reason. <laughs> makes me sweaty sometimes. I don't know. Understood. Yeah, man, getting worked up. <laughs> Trying to identify, identify, yeah. Um, All right. Well, I would like to ask you both before you go back into your days to um, shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you can be who you are today. Ooh, (sighs) I knew this was coming, and I just forgot to think about it. (laughs) Um, I'm, you know, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say my sister because. She, we were back to back grades in school. Uh, we're we're quite close in age, and she came out as gay when she was in high school. Um, and although our our experiences are 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 rather different, I think you know seeing her process and also seeing how the people around us reacted to her coming out experience and that sort of thing kind of paved the way for my own experience and like knowing like okay this is gonna be okay I know that you know she's gonna be supportive at the very least um 
And so, yeah, I'll say my sister. Aw. I'm going to cheat. I feel like this is cheating, but I have to say Sarah, which I feel like that has to be cheating. But genuinely, like, if I hadn't been randomly placed with Sarah and she hadn't come out as Arrow Ace, like, there's no way I would have discovered my identity. Like, I just, it simply wouldn't have happened. So, Sarah's like my little ace mother. You're my child. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy for you both, and I'm happy to meet you. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. It's it's been lovely talking to you. (laughs) 